Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a radio program dedicated to raising awareness of issues concerning animals. This includes advocacy, activism, protection, conservation and importantly appreciation. The show is broadcast from the 3CR studios in Melbourne on 855am and we're streamed live via the 3CR website. Recent podcasts are also available on the 3CR website, which is www.3cr.org.au and all previous podcasts are available on the Freedom of Species podcast website, freedomofspecies.org, as well as on iTunes. Welcome to the show. I'm Nick Pendergrass presenting today. Thanks to Sally for another great edition of Out of the Pan. And I am joined today by Adam Cardellini. Thanks for coming in, Adam. No worries. Thank you. And we're going to be playing a talk today uh, from the Institute for Critical Animal Studies Oceana Collective. That's the ICAS Collective, and or at least part of it anyway. And that is going to be Jess Ison, Lara Drew and myself talking about veganism, colonialism and single issue campaigns. This is actually from last year's ICAS conference. And I guess to start things off before we get into that talk... Maybe just for those who are unfamiliar with single-issue campaigns and these kind of discussions in the movement, which have been going on the last uh, several years, uh, do you want to just talk a little bit about what single-issue campaigns and maybe just briefly what some of the critiques are and some of the discussions about this that are going on in the movement? Yeah, so I suppose single-issue campaigns um, particularly come from a critique of... um, I suppose, welfareism to start with. So focusing on one issue of, say, um, battery battery hens in a factory and trying to get um, battery hens better-sized cages is a single issue, and it's not actually promoting a larger liberation of animals or individuals. It's really focused on just this small, um, small single issue around the size of cages and... There are some good critiques, particularly um, the abolitionist approach that suggests that these sorts of um, single-issue campaigns are actually entrenching entrenching oppression because they focus on welfareism and um, they don't recognise the larger context of the structural oppression that animals experience and how the structures that we create through capitalism and, um, and even our democracies enforce oppression of animals um so that's that's on a movement sort of on an individual movement scale and we have lots of these single issue campaigns within the animal movement you know there's um single issue campaigns around horse racing um puppy mills um chicken factories all these sorts of things and while while um the while we necessarily I, I want to make a clarification while we necessarily I think need to have issues that do focus on individual groups for instance um, chickens being slaughtered I think we can have campaigns where we talk about chickens but it needs to be in the context of um, working towards the liberation of all animals so we wouldn't just talk about okay we need to stop um, battery hens battery hens and go to free range. That's not that's not good enough. We need to say we need to stop um, 
battery hens and all egg manufacturing because they are oppressing chickens. And the way to do that is to end um, animal use and um, and and go vegan, basically, uh, along with other things, many other things. So that's within a movement. We have single issue campaigns, and this is true of other um, environmental movements and social justice movements. They have single issue campaigns within their movements as well. Then there's a larger sort of context of um, single issue within the context of justice itself. And this is something um, a little bit more uh, controversial, I suppose, where you could say that veganism or animal rights is a single issue sort of idea if we don't also recognise that we need to end all forms of oppression. So if we just say, no, the only thing that we need to focus on is animal rights and um, animal liberation, I would consider that single issue. Um, I think that, yes, we have to focus on animal liberation, but we need to do it in the context of understanding we also need to achieve um, liberation for um, other minority groups, social social groups, um, the environment, and we basically need to, need to work towards total liberation. Um, so I think there's two levels of single-issue campaigns. There's within movements and of movements. Mm -hmm. And I should also give a bit of background about the speakers in terms of where they're coming from. So, yeah, it isn't so much a, you know, saying we shouldn't be doing, you know, single-issue campaigns. It's hopefully a, you know, a fairly, hopefully, respectful discussion around single-issue campaigns. And I think it is quite important to, you know, for activists to go along th to things like the ICAS conference. But it's definitely not only the ICAS conference. There's other similar events, the Animal Activist Forum, for example, where activists actually get together and talk about tactics in a respectful way and so we on this show give a platform to lots of different activists you know focusing on lots of different campaigns which is great but I also think it's important to at least occasionally kind of sit back and sort of reflect on where we're going as a movement and so I guess in terms of where we're coming from so Jess Eisen has been involved a lot in the campaign against duck shooting so which obviously would be classified as a single issue campaign it's focused on that one issue um, I, I guess unlike um, you know one of the critiques Adam mentioned uh, there is sort of very Various single issue campaigns. Some are focusing on abolishing a certain use, and others are about reforming the use. And so that's very much about stopping duck shooting, not making it more humane, for example. So, mm -hmm. and that's so we'll get into this in the in the discussion that we have or the panel discussion um, that you know maybe not all single issue campaigns are created equal, and maybe some can get us towards animal liberation, and some could be argued to maybe moving us away from it as well absolutely uh and lara drew focus uh she's done a lot of activism around the kangaroo cull as well so uh, opposing the killing of kangaroos uh, by the australian government and that's another one and i should also bring in that and adam has already brought this in but just to reinforce it that there's a the discussion about how effective the campaigns are in terms of being effective for animals which is important but i guess from an intersectional point of view where we we, we, where we aren't single issue, the discussion isn't purely are these campaigns effective for animals, but also how do they, um, in some cases, contribute to human oppression such as racism when we single out um, uses of animals in non-Western countries as being exceptional or worse than Western oppression, for example. We can also contribute to racism as well. So that's another aspect to the discussion as well, not just how important the campaigns are for animals, but also how these campaigns can sometimes contribute to human oppression, even unintentionally mm. uh, and I guess my background is I've definitely done a lot of um, single issue campaigns early on in my activism but in more recent years I've 
primarily, not exclusively, but focus more on vegan activism in terms of promoting veganism rather than focusing on um, the single campaigns, at least most of the time. And we'll get into some of those those um, distinctions. But uh, I think that's probably set the scene fairly well. We can probably get into it, do you think, Adam? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so here's a talk. So I'll be speaking first. Uh, then we'll hear from Lara Drew. And then we will hear from uh, Jess Ison after me. And... Um, no, we're having so maybe actually what we'll do is we'll we'll go to a song first, having a little bit of uh, technical issues. So we'll we'll go to a song first, and then we'll go to the um, the talk straight after that. So the opening song I've I've chosen to go with here is "Little Changes" by Frank Turner, and I thought that was quite uh, relevant in terms of the discussion around single issue campaigns. Because I guess the the idea of single issue campaigns is that we make you know little changes towards that bigger goal but then there's all these issues like which little changes and what's more effective and all these kind of things so yeah um here is frank turner with little changes waking up too early in the city feeling disconnected the underground am i understanding of delays on the line the weather and the way we worked out weren't quite as expected you're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR and we are covering on this episode single issue campaigns with a talk from Jess Ison, Lara Drew and myself from the last Institute for Critical Animal Studies conference. And yeah, we're going to go straight into that talk. We've already introduced it. So yeah, we'll get straight into this talk covering single issue campaigns. All right. Hi, everyone. So we're going to be talking about veganism and single issue campaigns today. And so we've got me, uh, Mick Pendergrass, and I guess in more recent years, I've certainly done a lot of different forms of animal activism, but primarily I've been focused on promoting veganism. That would be my main form. Once I haven't been involved in some things that might be regarded as single issue campaigns. And we've also got Lara Drew here, who's done a lot of work on the uh, campaign against the killing of kangaroos. And Jess Ison, who's done a lot of activism around uh, campaign against duck shooting or directly intervening against, against duck shooting. So, yeah, that's where we're, where we're kind of sort of coming from in a nutshell. And, yeah, I think a lot of the um, discussion in the animal movement is that we shouldn't actually be having too, too many discussions because we don't want to infight about these issues. And I think that is a valid uh, argument in that we don't want to spend all our time sort of fighting amongst ourselves, we actually want to get on with and do things for animals. But having said that, I think these kind of discussions are important so we can critically reflect on how effective our actions have been, not just for animals, but also for other groups of humans as well. And yeah, a recent example where I saw, it kind of hit me the importance idea of intersectionality, which is the theme, but I was at the vet and I saw someone with a car and on the back of their car, they had a Sea Shepherd sticker, and they also had a you, you, um, you grew here, we flew here, other way around, you flew here, we grew here sticker, like a racist sticker. And I was kind of thinking about this, is this the matter of this person who is a racist and also cares about animals? Uh, or is there something about some of our campaigns which actually feed into racist attitudes? So again, I think it is important to critically reflect on our campaigns, how effective are they being for animals, how are they feeding into other forms of oppression as well. And yeah, Colin Salter's talk from last year focused on the way in which even as animal advocates, we may not intend to be racist, or we might not use racist language. Sometimes just framing the animal use or animal exploitation of non-Western countries in itself can feed into racist attitudes. So, the kind of things we're going to be discussing today, again, impact on animals, the impact on other issues as well, and also touching on the idea of intersectionality. 
this is a debate that's going on in other social movements as well. In the last workshop, we spoke about the environmental movement doing single issue campaigns, and yeah, there are similar debates going on in the environmental movement as well. One example I heard a while ago on the anarchist podcast, Crime Think, was there was a zine going around the anarchist movement or environmental sort of radical movement um, called The Issues Are Not The Issue, and it was actually um, challenging this idea that we should be protecting one particular area of bushland because the idea is, well, then they just move on to the other one and maybe we shouldn't be so focused on particular, uh, yeah, this one particular um, area of bushland or this one particular conservation campaign because we're just redirecting the focus, which I thought had a lot of parallels to uh, vegan critiques of single-issue campaigns as well. Uh, so in terms of what is a single issue campaign, um, generally what, when, what people talk about when they use that term is when you focus on a particular use or product. So that, that might be, for example, campaigning uh, against fur, for example. It's a particular product, so you're not campaigning against you know, dairy and all these different things, you're focusing on that one product. Uh, or you might be focusing on a particular form of animal exploitation. You might be protesting against horse racing or the use of animals in circuses, for example. So, I just wanted to, in terms of bringing in some of the vegan critiques of this, um, I know what time I started, I hope that was not going on too long, but a lot of the, definitely not all, but a lot of the idea of single issue campaigns are um, going after the low hanging fruit, so I thought I might kind of demonstrate that, like visually, if you think of like the tree, the things at the bottom which aren't, uh, which already people are already outraged at, so for example, if we have like a, a banana there, that might be fur, for example. Um, if we have an apple, that might be like the dog meat trade, for example. There's been um, recently, um, yeah, a lot of opposition to uh, dog meat and uh, in uh, Indonesia. Also, there's been a long, uh, long-standing issue in China and other countries as well. Um, and another one, for example, which might get a lot of people upset as well, um, that's kind of a pear, I guess, or a duck, one or the other. Um, but yeah, if anyone's listening in, this will be online as well, but these pictures are amazing, so you won't get to see them though. Um, so we're going after this low-hanging fruit, this, the, these easier campaigns that people are already outraged at. Um, and yeah, obviously there's some, <laughs> there's some like, logic to that, in that these are easy to go after because the public's on our side already, so we're kind of capitalising on that. So I guess the idea of single issue campaigns is that we take it one issue at a time. So we get rid of that one, and then that one, and then we kind of worry about the other things later. But we're working towards animal liberation, we're getting rid of one thing at a time. Um, I guess some of the vegan critiques of that are that if, if this one, for example, is, um, is dog meat, for example, uh, then you know up here, for example, might be um, pig meat, for example. So I guess... Um, that one that might be more acceptable, the higher hanging for the one that most people are in favour of. So I guess if we're kind of feeding this outrage, if we've got a really, um, yeah, outrage kind of person there. So yeah, basically these are really outrageous. That's kind of what the public thinks. The public are outraged by this stuff. And as animal advocates, we can sometimes join in with this outrage. So this is outrageous. Let's, um, yeah, this is horrible. They're killing dogs in Indonesia. I guess the, one of the dangers or critiques from a vegan perspective is that this stuff at the top can kind of seem okay. So where we're okay with killing pigs because a real problem is the, the dog slaughter. Or in the case of fur, for example, if we've got leather at the top, then you know, leather's kind of okay because fur, we're joining in this outrage that the public already feels towards fur. Um, in the case of like veal, for example, which is a, you know, a very 
Now, a lot of people are outraged at, even though people might be concerned about other things. We might get dairy at the top, which are, you know, obviously directly contributes to view as a, a byproduct of that industry. So I guess one um, argument uh, from a vegan perspective is that vegan advocacy creates more of a level playing field here. So basically, rather than you know, these things being particularly outrageous, they may be, you know, we're against it, all, all of it. Okay, So we're not necessarily outraged by this more than this stuff, but everything. So we're kind of bringing it all to the same level. And a lot of vegan advocates will kind of have those discussions in that, yeah, dog meat is horrible. You know, we, we don't like dogs being slaughtered, but pigs are just as sentient as dogs. That's an outrage as well. And so have that little uh, playing field. So even though individual vegans might be particularly outraged by this thing because we're a part of the society, veganism puts them all on level playing field. We don't do any of it. We're against all of it. So I guess it creates that um, level playing field in terms of, um, yeah, trying try to reframe, yeah, get everyone to do think everything's okay. And uh, so everything's not okay. And I guess the different strategy for vegan advocates um, might be rather than taking one issue at a time, take it one person at a time. So if we, um, yeah, I won't do everyone in society, that'll be a long time, um, talk on human population tomorrow, but um, if basically we're looking at it um, one person. So basically one person doesn't do all of this stuff. And then once that person, we take it more one person time. So rather than one issue at a time, we take it one person at a time if we're um, vegan advocates. And yeah, I guess in terms of um, vegan advocacy, one, one person I've heard speak a lot about is Ronnie Lee, who actually founded the Animal Liberation Front, and he actually does more, a lot more vegan activism. And he was saying in the past, uh, there were a lot of vegans, but there wasn't much vegan activism. So there was a vegan society which helped vegans out, and there was a lot of comp campaigning organisations campaigning against vivisection or fur or whatever other issue, um, and people became vegan once they got into the movement. Uh, but it, they weren't really campaigning um, for veganism. People just became a vegan movement. We kept it amongst ourselves. So I guess vegan activism is about actually advocating for veganism as a sort of as a campaign. I guess. So I'll finish up in a sec. I haven't kept trying. I haven't gotten too long. But um, I guess so. One one campaign I'm quite critical of is the Western opposition to dog meat in places like Indonesia. So I just wanted to briefly go through um, the critique. So. Well, one critique would be the racism involved in that, again, framing the exploitation of non-Western countries as different or worse than Western exploitation. Um, the second one would be uh, that it's ineffective. There's not actually too much we can do about exploitation going on in that Indonesia, regardless of whether we should or not. Um, three is that even if we were effective, it would simply be replaced with another animal. So if we convince people in China to stop eating dogs, or people in Indonesia to stop eating dogs, but it doesn't come with a vegan message, then it just swaps over to pigs or chickens or a different animal. So there's no real net gain for animals. And the fourth one I see is that we actually make people feel good, uh, Western people feel good, because again, the outrage is the dog meat, it's not the pig meat or the, these kind of issues. So in terms of veganism, overcoming some of these constraints, um, again, everything is equal. Uh, as vegan, vegans might not necessarily find everything equal, but veganism, we reject everything. So there's not that, there's that hierarchy that certain countries are worse because of certain practices towards animal, animals. It's more effective in that we're actually engaging with the people around us. And actually, Ronnie Lee said that was maybe one um, negative that I left, that it kind of skips the general public and confronts animal abusers head on. So we're actually dealing with, but putting it back in this context, 
Um, it's effective because we're actually talking to people around us rather than people on the other side of the world who we might not have much connection with. Um, we're not replacing it, so as one person gives up something, they're not replacing another product and giving everything up, up together. Um, and also we're not making people feel good because they're not doing about this higher stuff because we're actually bringing this low-hanging fruit or this outrageous stuff, according to the public, we're actually saying why it's no worse than this stuff. So I think veganism is one way to overcome some of these critiques. But um, I'll let Jess and Lara elaborate on this, but just briefly in terms of why the kangaroo, coal and duck shooting campaign, why these critiques don't apply, is because we're focused on stuff in Australia, we're not pointing the finger at other countries. Um, it's much more effective because we're intervening actually on the ground where this stuff is happening rather than the other side of the world. Um, it's not really getting replaced by anything. So if we stop the kangaroo, cows will be like, we're not killing kangaroos now, so we're going to eat more cows. So I'm not sure why we're going to do that. No, there's no real replacement in, in these kind of um, issues as well. And yeah, I don't think we're really making the public feel good. Um, yeah, again, Jess and Lara maybe address that in a way, but I guess it might be a critique focusing on that as the issue. Uh, might in some sort of philosophical way, but I think definitely not to the same extent as the dog meat trade. But and I'm going to pass it on to Lara and Jess now to talk about um, yeah the anti kangaroo cow campaign and also the um, campaign against the duck shooting. Okay, thanks, Nick. Um, so in my experience, there is a growing trend by vegan activists where many vegans in the community will not support so-called single issue campaigns and. Um, many feel that the outreach should be focused on vegan education and be vegan education only. Um, others feel that these campaigns, single issue campaigns, are a way of bringing people into the movement um, and in my opinion they can be very winnable campaigns. So I support single issue campaigns if they are consistent with the philosophy and goals of an anti-speciesist animal liberation framework. So, um, again, these campaigns are winnable, they can alleviate this, the initial suffering of the animals. Um, it can be a valuable way to educate people about the suffering of animals and then enabling them to make the connection to other species. Um, so, the example that I will talk about quite briefly is the anti-kangaroo cull campaign in Canberra. So, for those of you who don't know, uh, kangaroo killing takes place all throughout Australia. There's a commercial kangaroo industry. Um, but in Canberra, there is no commercial industry. Um, it's a government-sanctioned cull that occurs each year. Um, so, I've been involved with this campaign for 10 years um, at a level of direct action on the whole. So, it's actually what got me into animal rights and it's why I tra transitioned to veganism. Um, I started getting involved with the human rights movement and then I started getting involved with the kangaroo campaign and then I started getting involved with veganism um, from there onwards. So um, yes, this campaign is definitely a single issue. Um, it's only about kangaroos but the values that underpin the, the broader ethics of the campaign are guided with the liberatory and anti-speciesist framework. So in saying that, not everyone involved is inherently anti-speciesist. Um, many wildlife workers involved still eat animals, uh, but it's most definitely a campaign that can be used to encourage people to make a broader connection to an uh, animal liberation ethic. So uh, some critics argue that single issue campaigns are inherently speciesist, which I don't agree with all the time. Uh, the kangaroo campaign is not. Um, an example of it not being speciesist 
is that we don't throw other species under the bus. We make it clear that any animal abuse is unacceptable. And we never say that we are against killing of, killing of kangaroos because they are special or um, at a higher level of uh, uh, animals that deserve rights over other animals. Um, because by doing that, it implies that animals are not special or they are less deserving of rights. So we tend to focus on the fact that kangaroos are sentient and try to make the connection that we oppose the use of killing of all sentient beings when we try to advocate for kangaroos. Um, so it, it is essentially an abolition message that we send with a no compromise message, which is um, what the direct action is part of. Um, there is the argument that single issues rely on a human-created uh, human hierarchy of worth that privileges some species over others. Um, we, of course, don't privilege kangaroos over other species, but we make it clear by integrating a liberation position that challenges the ownership of nature in order to contest the moral and property status of animals. Um, so, some of you still might be thinking, but what about veganism? Where does this fit in a kangaroo cull campaign? So, any opportunity we get, we have conversations about veganism, um, but there, even then, the problem with a vegan-only focus is that many models of veganism actually do not include wild animals. Um, so, whilst there is a critique of single issues being speciesist, uh, veganism itself can also potentially be be speciesist um, by ignoring the injustice inflicted on wild animals and lab animals as well, and human animals. So in general, we actually find it very difficult to gather interest from the vegan community to participate in the kangaroo curl campaign. Um, so the issue of wildlife is very often excluded from a vegan ethic, which I think is a huge problem in itself. So in regards to the kangaroo cull, I think the campaign is important because it's winnable. Um, yes, this means that it's technically an incremental change approach that I'm falling into by arguing this position, but it does not mean that we are rejecting other issues with other animals. Every issue matters. Um, a large part of the kangaroo campaign, as I've already mentioned, is a direct action. So. Uh, we, with the kangaroo cull campaign, can't actually physically save the lives of the kangaroos because the shooting is conducted in the dark at night with no notice from the government. Uh, we can upset the government by, government by wasting their resources, raising awareness and trying to interfere with it by running on the reserves when there is shooting. Um, and these kinds of direct actions for single issues I think are important because they carry out the tradition of resistance and rebellion against injustice. Um, history teaches us that all successful social justice movements incorporate some aspect of direct action um, and I feel that the kangaroo cull campaign can tr contribute to this element as well. So I don't want to use up too, my, too much time um, talking about the kangaroo cull campaign so I will pass over to Jess now who will talk about the duck shooting campaign in Victoria. Great, thank you, you too. Um, is for last year and I think the year before, you two have really nice notes and I have a bit of a scroll in my notebook um, that I just did while you were talking. So bear with me. Um, okay, well um, I think that, um, so yeah, I'm part of the um, Coalition Against Duck Shooting here in Victoria. Uh, for those of you who don't know about it, it's been going for about 30 years um, and 
um, the duck shooting happens for about three months of the year in Victoria. There's about 30,000 wetlands in Victoria uh, where they can shoot on. Um, and in terms of the, um, the campaign, um, it has had some major wins, uh, including, so when Laurie started, they used to use semi-automatics. I mean, imagine that on a wetland. Um, and they, um, they're on a wetland where now we may have at max 10,000 shooters. Um, maybe in the past would have had 40,000 shooters on that wetland or more. Um, and most of the time, actually, when we go out, the most I've ever seen really is, oh, actually, this year there was thousands, wasn't there? Um, but most other years, um, most of the wetlands I've only seen at most about 1,000 shooters. Um, yeah, and I guess um, I've got a few things to say about it. Um, I'm one of the team leaders, so I am quite heavily involved in the campaign. Um, and there's a lot of positives and negatives. Um, I guess, yeah, sometimes the, the claim is that it's um, not intersectional. Um, and I, I guess at times I'm kind of confused what people mean by that because um, I, I guess as a queer woman in, that, woman in that space, I don't really have a choice of whether or not I'm intersectional. My existence in that space um, means that I'm constantly having to um, talk about or at least be aware of queer issues uh, amongst others, right? So um, when we're saying that an issue isn't intersectional, yeah, I guess us being in those spaces can make it so. Um, and it's also the, the way that um, one of the things I'm doing there is also uh, the constant uphill battle of um, talking with a lot of those activists. But, you know, usually I am the angry lesbian I mentioned in the last panel, but today I thought I'm going to be a little positive about this. Um, because I think with the Duck Rescue campaign, um, a lot of the people I meet there um, may not have as much um, knowledge around yeah, what we might want to call intersectionality, but actually find that they're incredibly open to hearing um, what I have to say um, when I'm telling them that something they're doing is like maybe really freaking problematic and they shouldn't, um, because they are really compassionate, amazing people. Um, and actually, I think that the positives of the Duck campaign is that like, you're there doing something, right? A lot of the time we're trying to figure out how to make a change for animals. Um, with a duck campaign, you are there making a change on the spot. You're actually rescuing ducks uh, or stopping them being shot in the first place, um, which can't be discounted the importance of that um, in terms of direct action, not just for the ducks, but for the activists as well. Um, don't get me wrong, it's hell. It's the worst thing that you ever experience, men and and they're all men, um, I've never seen a woman, um, are all telling you they're going to kill you with their guns. It's not a great experience in that sense, but it is still a way of actually doing direct action. And it also shows that actually animal activists can be really amazing, that we actually just get out there with quite a well-oiled machine, and we just get it done. We're in the water at like five in the morning, standing in front of men with guns who are saying they're going to kill us. That's a really, that's a really a tough thing to do. We're, I think we're pretty amazing, right? Um, to actually do that, it's really cool, right? So a lot of the time we're talking through the how we're going to do intersectionality, how we're going to do activism, etc. But th there are these amazing moments where we are doing it and we're doing really amazing work. Um, and so that needs to be seen because sometimes um, when we're having these conversations at ICAS, um, and obviously I think ICAS is amazing being that I am on the collective, um, but sometimes it's a bit overwhelming. I'm going, oh my God, yeah, I've got to like, can figure out all these things. How am I not going to do, uh, you know, I want to be really inclusive, but I want to get some action done and I want to help animals, but oh my God, right? It's a bit overwhelming um, because we want to um, make change, but we also don't want to be uh, problematic in the process. Um, so actually sometimes getting out and doing something uh, and doing it well 
can be a really important um, process. Also, I think we're going to win the duck campaign at some point, uh, and that's going to be a massive win. Uh, where, where we keep teetering on the edge, and then uh, there's a few liberal seats, uh, it's really the only reason why it's still happening, and of course, gun culture and patriarchy, um, but that's harder issues again. Um, um, <laughs> which is also one of the critiques right of the duck campaign, because most of those people are going to go home and probably, if they don't kill ducks that night, they'll go and buy ducks from the um, supermarket or a chicken or. Um, so then, when, we, when we're out there though, we know what we're there for. We're not there to stop those people eating animals. Of course, any chance that I get it, um, to talk with them, I will, if they um, want to talk at me and not yell at me about um, killing me, um, I will talk with them, right? But probably most of them are going to keep being uh, eating animals. But the reason we're there is to help those ducks. Right, that's, that's all you're going to be able to do is maybe stop one duck getting shot. And that, that of course, is worth it. Um, so, uh, it's also knowing what your intentions are um, with a single issue campaign and that is our straight up intention and then being in those campaigns trying to actually affect change with those activists as well um, is also the other process that's in that um, which which you can do right because you're really tired of sitting around playing cards at five o'clock in the afternoon because you're really exhausted and you can have really amazing conversations and build community so I think there's really a lot of positives um, but of course um, yeah they, with Nick saying they are going to replace those ducks that they don't shoot with other animals. Uh, and of course, there's a lot of people who are against duck shooting who aren't vegan, um, and it makes them feel good to be like, oh, it's so barbarian, they shoot them, how could they? Um, whilst they sit there and eat a dead cow. Um, so, it's a complex issue, but I think, I just want to be really positive about it and say, actually, we do really amazing work. And also, if you want to join us, please do. We always need more volunteers. Um, so, and, and don't discount the importance of actually doing direct action um, and whether that is like keeping the fire going for us because it's really cold when you get out through to being in the water, it's all really, really important. Yeah, so that's a little ramble. I'm incredibly jet lagged, so I hope that made sense. You are listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR and we've been playing a talk on veganism, colonialism and single issue campaigns by myself, Lara Drew and Jess Eisen. We're going to get straight back into the final part of that talk. So just wanted to mention listeners in the middle, there was uh, some contributions from the audience there that are well worth listening to. We can't play them because of time constraints, but the, the audio of the whole um, whole event or the whole discussion is up on archive.org. We've put a link up to that on the Freedom of Species Facebook page and also we will put it up on freedomofspecies.org in the show notes once this episode is up. So just want to let you know on this final part, this is um, me and Jess Eisen uh, giving some final thoughts on single-issue campaigns after we've heard some contribution from everyone who was in the audience at that event. Yeah, a common thing which uh, I'm interested too is, um, yeah, it's kind of come up in a number of the sessions, this idea of um, professionalisation, I guess, and moving towards like more corporate models of organisations where we have a CEO and a deputy CEO and you know, the amount of pay like, goes down as you go down the organisation and as does the power, these kind of corporate models of organisation. And I think yeah, some of the critiques of the single issue campaigns maybe are more along those lines rather than single issue campaigns but more grassroots uh, campaigners. So an example of that is that uh, Roger Yates, for example, is an animal activist and sociologist in Ireland. He's pointed out that um, the, in the UK, the animal liberationists, they campaign a different issue each week, 
but everyone knew that they were against everything. So it was like they knew they were for total liberation, but this week they're protesting the circuses, and next week they're protesting for whatever it may be, but they weren't just focused on that one campaign. And he, came, he compared that to in the US, for example, where it's more a professionalised movement, where people are an anti, um, an anti-circus campaigner or whatever, for example, and that's what they do, that is their job. And, and that way, that sort of more professional things, you can sometimes lose sight of the bigger picture. Uh, an example is when there was a celebrity who was um, yeah, wearing leather shoes while campaigning against circuses. And I think it turned out that the shoes weren't leather, it doesn't really matter, but um, yeah, the Peter campaigner was like, who cares, this is about circuses, that's the focus. So yeah, again, is it a single issue campaign is the problem, or is it more that sort of professionalisation and corporatisation of the movement? Um, and, and again, there are similar issues in the environmental movement, which Adam uh, raised as well last session. Also, Ronnie Lee, who I mentioned before, another one from the UK, founder of ALF, has also argued he's not so much against single issue campaigns, but also how can we add a vegan message to these single issue campaigns, which came up in some other groups as well. So, for example, when we're campaigning against greyhound racing, um, you know, links to veganism at the end as well, or trying to spread, trying to get people to go further, I guess. And, yeah, one thing I've kind of touched on with a friend of mine, um, Teresa, she does research on like, online activism. And one thing she's touched with is always trying to raise the level of engagement. So if you share like a meme, that'll get a lot more likes, but you still want to always encourage people to go further. So share an article that's encouraging people to go more than just like this meme. I think the same here as well. It's like, we can get people to do this, and less people do the little thing, whether signing a petition or whatever, but always encouraging people to do more, even though the more you ask, the less people actually do that. But try to encourage people to do more. Um, also, um, yeah, just in my own experience with activism, we were predominantly a vegan group. Uh, this was back in Perth, uh, where I'm from. And we generally focused on promoting veganism, but we did uh, sometimes support single issue campaigns where it was actually abolishing the use rather than just reforming it. So it kind of gets into the rights welfare distinction, which you won't go into. But if it was, for example, like banning horse racing, we'd say we support it. But we'd also generally, when we did that, we'd try and link it back to veganism or to animal liberation generally as well. So yeah, if horse racing is bad and we support this campaign, but just as you're opposed horse races being killed when they're no longer productive, these same processes happen in the egg and dairy industries, for example. So try and bring that um, bigger message in. Um, and I think with single issue campaigns, um, some campaigns do that better than others. So I think um, like Animals Australia, a few of their campaigns, I feel like their anti-dairy campaign was actually fairly effective in getting people towards veganism because most people aren't going to give up dairy but continue eating meat because again, it's so ingrained that meat is worse. Again, that kind of hierarchy we touched on. So I felt like that campaign was fairly effective and I, won't, I wouldn't have done it exactly the same way as they did, but did get people towards veganism. Uh, but I feel like the live export campaign was actually quite the opposite. It actually moved people away from veganism. And there's a real effort in, again, the campaign is a monolith, but in a lot of the people from campaigners, they actually tried to almost get people away from veganism because they said, you know, in their materials, they'd say, I'm a meat eater and I'm opposed to live export. In the actual materials, they promoted that kind of thing. So I feel like not only were they not pushing towards people towards veganism, but they're actually you know, some people say, oh, shouldn't you support this campaign because it gets people towards veganism? And it might, but I feel that's despite the campaign, not because of it. So there's differences there. And I just wanted to finally touch on uh, veganism as a single issue campaign. So some people have turned this back around on vegan campaign and said, well, isn't veganism a single issue campaign? But it's something I, 
I heard back in 2010 at a critical animal studies conference in North America, and someone just said that to me, well, veganism is a single issue campaign, and I was like, I don't know why, like, I don't, don't disagree, but I don't understand it. Uh, but then I was doing sort of activism, online activism came to Easter, and I was like, I'm promoting chocolate. So I'm promoting chocolate at Easter. I want to promote dairy-free chocolate. So I'm like, okay, am I going to promote dairy-free chocolate that's fair trade or, or just any dairy or any vegan chocolate? And that, that kind of struck well, veganism is a single issue campaign because again, am I just going to do any vegan chocolate? I'm only concerned about veganism or am I going to do veganism and fair trade? So again, I think there are critiques of the critiques as well um, in terms of yeah, veganism being a single issue campaign and just focus on non-human animals. Uh, not that it necessarily has to, but um, if we purely focus on veganism, we can ignore human oppression. Just that? quickly add to that also, mm -hmm. you can also say that um, encouraging people to become vegan is important, but also uh, working towards working with farmers as well to transition away from animal agriculture has to be integral to that as well. Mm. Otherwise, you know, you can make the argument that as more people in Australia become vegan, it means more, more cows onto live animal export ships going to other countries. So it's, it's about taking that holistic approach about how farmers need to be part of the picture as well, working with them to transition. Mm -hmm. And I would also add, also just reflecting Lara's point earlier on, even towards animal veganism could be seen as a single issue campaign in that it's standing up for domesticated animals, but not wild animals as well, as which um, why things like the kangaroo coal campaign are important. So I guess to finish, I think like there's limitations to vegan act, act, advocacy, there's limitations to single issue campaigns, but I think some definitely a lot more than others. But I guess like what I was hoping to get out of this workshop is not to persuade people towards a particular form of activism like vegan activism, but just again bring it back to those points, trying to um, yeah, bring about activism, whether it is vegan activism, whether it is single issue campaigns, whether whether it is that isn't contributing to racism, that is effective for animals, that is you know not being replaced by something else, all these things. So I think we should yeah focus more on the critiques rather than all single issue campaigns are equally bad. Um, okay, so um, Peter was mentioned. Ooh. Peter's like the um, tweets for Trump. Like, us queers don't want anyone to know about it. Um, I feel like Peter's the same. We just wish that nobody knew about it. It's like our daily secret. Um, anyway, let's not talk about Peter. Um, <clears throat> I love this. Um, this single issue campaign is a gateway. I feel like it's you know like a gateway drug. Like. Um, <laughs> Like when, um, when young people come to queer parties, we're like a gateway into the gay agenda. Um, and so <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh about that. Um, so careful, we'll turn you into a, a vegan, angry vegan lesbian if you're not careful, <clears throat> coming, to our, um, coming to our protests. Um, I think that, um, yeah, one of the things as well, I think one of the important things of, um, that I was thinking about is, is that um, community that comes from single issue campaigns, you do have a space to work with people when you're really passionate about one issue, um, because we do have limited time and resources, um, and we're all just trying to do our best a lot of the time within the limitations. So there is, I think that's one of the biggest positives, is trying to create community, and that's what we try to do here at ICAS. Um, and that's um, something that we can learn a lot from um, queer communities from, because um, by necessity, as queer people, we've had to build our own communities um, because we've been rejected by our birth families or um, and by society. Um, so we have created spaces and ways to be ourselves. Um, and it wouldn't be me on a panel if I didn't talk about queer revolution. Um, and so actually within that queer revolution, I guess, as a, as a um, desire, as, as a process, 
um, is, I guess, could be called a single issue campaign in one sense because we're talking about uh, queers, but actually what, what we're talking about when we want to, um, when we envision queer revolution is an end to um, cis and het norms um, and, and that therefore has to interlink with other types of oppression. You can't get rid of heteronormativity without getting rid of misogyny, for example. Um, so always um, queer revolution is couched with, is, is always part of a larger revolution. It can't not be. Um, and so I guess within, um, we can, if we reframe um, to be thinking about how we're going to have um, different types of revolution or envisioning different types of future utopias, um, if, if we link those, it needs to always be part of the biggest struggles because it can't not be. Um, and, as, and as queer people, we know that because we live that. So I think if we think, because we're within, within animal um, liberation, we're not, we're not oppressed um, by um, speciesism, right? Um, but of course it interlinks to other forms of oppression. So actually we are always trying to work towards these bigger changes and also as anarchists, of course. So I think um, actually a lot of the time what we are doing is part of a larger struggle and we are doing a really great job. Um, so I just want to be ending on this positive note um, that thinking about um, not getting too bogged down as well how we're going to do the perfect campaign because actually if you're campaigning for veganism as part of a larger struggle then you are already doing intersectional campaigning and you are part of a larger struggle um, you know and hopefully that also does include queer revolution so let's end on a great note of achieving queer revolution you're listening to freedom of species on 3cr and you've been hearing a talk on single issue campaigns by the ICAS Collective. And yeah, if you'd like to hear more talks from that conference, I'll put a link up in freedomofspecies.org in the show notes. And also, if you have any feedback on that episode or any episodes of our show, check out, um, sorry, contact us via info at freedomofspecies.org. You can also search us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at FOS Radio and contact us there with any uh, feedback on the show. In the last, uh, yeah, literally last couple of minutes, I just wanted to briefly mention something. I was uh, recently on holiday up near Cairns and something came up that I thought was kind of uh, animal related. I thought we might finish up with that. Um, and yeah, basically there was a lot of sea cruisers in, in Cairns. So, you, you know, you swim with the marine lives, the turtles and the fish and all those kind of things. And what kind of struck me from an animal point of view was that the common food that was served there, what was really promoted with these cruisers was seafood buffets. <laughs> and so I, I I just thought it was a really sort of striking example that shows these confused attitudes, these dis disconnects we have about animals and people actually paying good money. Quite a lot, I think these cruisers were often, you know, $200 or more to go and, you know, see how amazing this marine life is. And then the fact that on these same things where you're admiring the marine life and going out of your way and paying money to see the marine life and swim in the marine life, that you actually really want to eat marine life at the same time. So, yeah, I just think there's so much going on there we probably could talk for the whole hour about, but I think it's like people don't, make the connection to the animal even that word seafood we're not eating sea creatures we're eating seafood we're sort of like dehumanized take away the age of those animals and the language we use i think it's also a matter of like oh no i'm not eating the turtles i mean like the it's okay to eat some animals not other animals arbitrarily but yeah i just thought that yes it was just a pretty classic example of our attitude towards animals yeah they're, yeah. they're appreciating the um the reef and the animals that are there mm. but then also appreciating them in air quotes on their plate as well <laughs> Yeah, so exactly. Like yeah, and not not seeing that the animal that they're eating is the one that they've just um, seen 
is beautifully living in its in its natural environment and taking yep. them away from that. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And and I think sometimes it's a disconnect. But yeah, as you say, and I think that's you know that's a much better case where people are swimming with the animals and they're free. But there are other examples like the crocodile parks, for example, where mm. they sometimes you see the crocodiles confined, and then you can buy a handbag and stuff like that. And it's like you could see that as a disconnect. But in some ways, it's consistent. We use the animals for entertainment. We can find them to look yeah. at, and then we use them for bags. So it's kind of it is like a, not a disconnect. In that case, either way, we're just it's sort of consistent with that that idea of using animals. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's sad. It's sad with the crocodiles. I think that's more of a case of um, you know they are the the scary beast. They're the unknown. You know, if I can get close to them, I am I'm somehow getting some sort of excitement out of being near this um, threatening and and dangerous animal. Mm-hmm. Um, which is I don't know. That's a bit sad. It, it really reduces those individuals down to just some sort of um, I don't know. Something that's not not real, not not mm. not an individual that needs to be respected for their own life, their own life, mm-hmm. but yeah. some idea. Yeah, 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 definitely. But we are out of time for today. Hopefully, uh, those listening got something out of the discussions and can think about the campaigns they're doing. And again, definitely contact us with any any feedback. And if you want to add to that discussion at all, also a reminder to subscribe to our show on iTunes. If you're an iTunes person, give us reviews on ratings on there would be great as well. You can tune into our show one to two every Sunday, and you'd find all our episodes at freedomofspecies.org. Make sure you stay tuned to Encyclopedia. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.